Ladies and gentlemen, no matter which way you cut it, there is a conspiracy afoot. Recently, it was reported by the Jerusalem Post that a man named Alan Bender swore in a Florida court that Ilhan Omar is an asset of the Qatari government, that they recruited and funded her, that she swore allegiance to Erdogan of Turkey, and that she was sharing sensitive U.S. information with foreign adversaries. Now, that kind of story requires a ton of evidence of which none exists. And it's just one guy making a claim, but he did make a sworn deposition. He's saying that these individuals said this, but that's just hearsay. Now, if that's not true, it means there is a different conspiracy afoot because we have several high profile personalities, including Imam Tahidi, a verified Twitter account with over 600,000 followers saying this is the case and other people are backing this up. So if Ilhan Omar is not a Qatari asset, then the conspiracy is that individuals on Twitter are coordinating a disinformation campaign to harm Ilhan Omar or hurt American politics. I can't tell you. But again, no matter which way you cut it, we got a conspiracy on our hands. Now, I don't think it'll be ever it'll ever be possible to prove exactly who is right or wrong. And proving a negative is outright impossible. So all I can say right now is that we have a conservative outlet, the Daily Caller, and as well as other conservatives saying this is likely not true. There's no evidence to support this. And these are coming from critics of Ilhan Omar. So here's what I want to do. Let's read the Jerusalem Post and take a look at some of the alleged evidence and then take a look at how people are countering this and why it's most likely not the case. Or at the very least, I think it's important to say many people are sharing the story saying it's true. Don't fall for the fake news trap. It is hearsay. We have no hard evidence. And even if this guy, Alan Bender, is telling the truth that Qatari officials bragged about this, maybe those officials were lying. So can we prove it? No. Let's figure out what's going on. Our first story from the Jerusalem Post, which, mind you, is certified by NewsGuard as a credible news outlet. Though they don't have a good correction policy, and we don't know who finances them, they do not repeatedly publish false information. So you're going to have to take, take your pick on who you want to trust on this one. But before we get started, Head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There's uh, many different ways you can give. The best thing you can do, share this video, and I'll tell you why. A lot of people, I see these memes going viral, saying Ilhan Omar is a Qatari asset. She is this. Nothing is confirmed. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that there are many Trump supporters saying, hold your horses, everybody, because you're going to fall in the same trap the left is, is trying to lay for, you know, in regards to Trump. They're trying to claim that hearsay equals evidence. It doesn't. And we're going to hold our politicians to the same standards. Ilhan Omar should not be smeared with lies if they can't be proven. And more importantly, even if you don't like her, and I think she has terrible policies, I think she's a, I think, you know, generally just do not like her as a politician. Even if you don't like her, recognize the United States has a process. And if people are trying to sow disinformation to harm politicians, be it Ilhan Omar, Donald Trump, Devin Nunes, or otherwise, we should not tolerate that. You might not like her, but she was elected, and we do things based on the American way, not seedy, underhanded, sneaky things. I do not like the idea of foreign governments interfering in our politics just because, you know, look, there are a lot of people who don't like her who are probably just going to say it because they know it's, it's good for them, but I don't, I don't play that game. That, that kind of stuff disgusts me. I don't like it when the left publishes fake news and smears, and I don't want to see it coming from the right either. Let's read the story. Ilan Omar denies being Qatari asset Witness confirms Jerusalem Post report. The Democratic congresswoman is said to have passed information to Qatar, which it was subsequently handed along to Iran. But that's coming from a statement. And what's being confirmed is that the deposition exists. It's now publicly available. You can go and read it. But there is now, you have this man, Alan Bender. You have, you have Imam Tahidi. And you have another doctor who uh, will we'll pull up his tweet in a second, all saying it's true. 
So which conspiracy is the true one? Let's read. Jerusalem Post reports, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar was recruited by a foreign government, received funding from a foreign government, and passed sensitive information through intermediaries to Iran, a Florida court has been told, as the Jerusalem Post confirmed. Yes, but listen, the Florida court was told this. It doesn't mean it's true. We can confirm the court was told this, though. Speaking to the Post, the office of the congresswoman denied allegations. The claims came during testimony by Kuwaiti-born Canadian businessman Alan Bender, who was giving evidence in the trial of Sheikh Khalid bin Hamad al-Tani. The Qatari emir's brother stands accused of ordering his American bodyguard to murder two people and of holding an American citizen hostage. His deposition obtained by Al Arabia English was authenticated by the attorney for the plaintiffs, according to the publication. Now, I did go over this story the other day, but I'm going to just get to the context so I can get to the debunking of this story. Speaking from Toronto by video link, Bender told the Florida District Court that he met with Qatar's secretary to the Emir for Security Affairs, Mohammed bin Ahmed bin Abdullah al-Masnad, and two other senior Qatari officials. According to his sworn deposition, three officials told him, if it wasn't for our cash, Ilhan Omar would be just another black Somali refugee in America collecting welfare and serving tables on weekends. Bender testified that the officials asked him to recruit American politicians and journalists as Qatari assets, and that when he objected, was told that several prominent figures were already on the payroll. Omar was described as the jewel in the crown. They go on to, to, to assert more about this, but I want to make one, one important point as we move forward. This could be a honeypot trap for conservatives to get you to believe an absurd story that is without evidence, and then when it turns out it's all fake, weaponized that against conservatives in the Trump impeachment saying, oh, look at all the Republicans who believed hearsay fake news, but then flipped it on Trump because, you know, all of the all of the stuff coming out against Trump and impeachment is mostly hearsay. This is beyond hearsay. The people who are posting this are walking into a trap. Now, look, I'll tell you what, man, I have no idea where this story is coming from and why. I can see Imam Tahiti, who has 600,000 followers, saying he knows this is true. And, you know, Qataris are trying to get his Twitter account taken down. You have other people claiming it's true. So who's the liar? But here's what we get from the Daily Caller. And this is surprising. The Daily Caller is no fan of Ilhan Omar. This is a conservative outlet. It's Tucker Carlson's outlet. How a fake imam, the Krasenstein brothers, and a Canadian played roles in a dubious story about Ilhan Omar and Qatar. But hold on, man. I get it. You, it's, it's hard. To, you can't prove a negative, right? There's, there's no way to, to prove this is, isn't true for the most part. But we don't have any evidence otherwise. And this is Daily Caller asserting a conspiracy in the other direction. Look, man, this is one of those challenges where no matter what you do, there is a breaking news story of high profile, verifiable, like, you know, credible news outlets claiming one thing or the other. Here's the Daily Caller. They say, A Jerusalem Post story suggesting that Rep. Ilhan Omar could secretly be a foreign agent for the nation of Qatar is highly dubious. The story is based on the claims of Alan Bender, a self-described fixer for the Saudis who are Qatar's sworn enemies. He claims Qatari officials summoned him and divulged their innermost secrets. The accusation appears to be part of a campaign by Imam of Peace, Mohammed Tahidi, who positions himself as a Western-friendly anti-extremist Muslim, but who studied under an ultra-conservative cleric. The story says, foreign elements are pushing a dubious story targeted at American conservatives that Ilhan Omar is a secret agent of the nation of uh, Qatar. That, uh, the claim comes from a deposition from a Canadian self-described problem solver for the Saudi ruling family, the arch nemesis of Qatar, who gave 200 pages of testimony that offered a haphazard smorgasbord of accusations against the country. He goes on to say, the Daily Caller News Foundation reviewed the deposition and deemed it not credible 
It even gets Omar's job wrong, repeatedly calling her a senator. Now, I'll stop there. I understand that this guy might not know who she is. At the very least, he's testifying in a sworn statement that he was told this by Qataris. That doesn't mean he needs to know anything about her. He might not really know who she is and say, I don't know, they told me about her, a senator or something, and she believes X, Y, and Z. The, the, the most important point is not that he got her job wrong. It's that he's just telling us what he heard from someone else. And it's entirely possible the Qataris were lying because they wanted the disinformation. Now, someone else posted a funny tweet. I wonder what the Jerusalem Post has against Ilhan Omar. Well, Ilhan Omar supports boycott, divestment, and sanction, BDS. So I'm not surprised that there are going to be people who are less than sympathetic when a possible fake news story emerges. They go on to say, the Jerusalem Post published that, quote, a Florida court has heard that Omar was a secret foreign agent, and the story rapidly began making the rounds among American conservatives. In the deposition, Bender attested that the Qataris called him out of the blue, flew him to the royal palace, and shared their misdeeds with him in extreme detail despite his prior association with their rivals. The deposition includes all manner of accusations, such as that Omar is a, uh, we'll call it adult activity maniac, you get the point, and that reporters at CNN, the Washington Post, and the New York Times are on the payroll of Qatar. Bender appeared eager to expose all of the dirt, yet inexplicably said he'd rather not provide key details, such as the names of the reporters supposedly taking bribes. Quote, I'd rather not say because I know the name and details, he said of CNN. I'd rather not mention specific names, but I have, yes, several names, he said of the New York Times. Bender did not return a request for comment. In the deposition, he said he will sometimes intervene on behalf of members of the Saudi ruling families, mediate, solve their problems. And if that's the case, and Trump is, you know, supplying weapons to Saudi Arabia, it stands to reason. there, There are a lot of people who don't like Ilhan Omar. She's anti-Trump. She's far left. She's anti-Israel. There are a lot of people who don't like her. But I tell you what, I am not one who will ever assert a conspiracy. So here we have a guy who swore in a statement with no proof, and that's all we have. So they're asserting a conspiracy. On the other side, eh, I can't go that far, man. I can't tell you what to believe. But I, I will show you some more evidence. First, the, the, the Daily Caller goes on to question the credibility of Imam Tahidi. I don't think that's necessarily relevant for the most part, though they say Tahidi would not tell the Daily Caller News Foundation, which of his colleagues had supposedly entered into secret agreements with Qatar. Listen, trying to claim someone's less than credible over disagreements, I think is irrelevant. Show me the evidence. Otherwise, I don't see a point in having this section. I get it. You want to question the, 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 the credibility of this individual. I don't know what to tell you, because unless you got proof, I don't like games where it's like, hey, we're going to you know, target this individual, target his credibility instead of talking about the substance of his claims. However, here's where it gets really interesting. You may be familiar with the Krasenstein brothers. They were left-wing social media manipulators. I don't know how, how you describe them, in my opinion. And they were, they were banned for social media for manipulation, but apparently they had privy to information where they were told, I believe by Bender, that, here's what they say. They said in, uh, in early August, they say Bender changed his, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. On, a, on, a, on Tuesday, a post from the brothers' Facebook page authored by one of their wives said that four months ago, Bender contacted the Krasensteins to tell them that Tahiti was working for Qatar's enemies to spread lies about Omar. Just another conspiracy. Then in early August, Bender changed his tune and said that Tahiti's allegations were true. It appears that something happened in August which turned both Al Saleh and Alan Bender against Qatar. Whether it was another foreign government paying them, Saudi Arabia, or some other international battle in the Middle East, I am not 100% certain. They say it is unclear why Bender would contact the Krasensteins. 
The Post says, as the right-wing media runs the story, even though prominent conservative reporters who have covered Ilhan Omar or Qatar quickly flagged it as baseless. And this is the important point. Uh, so, so listen, man, I know many people not, might not care too much about the absurdity of a conspiracy theory, whichever side it is, but a lot of people are sharing this. So if you think this is important to break down the baselessness of it and challenge it, then please consider sharing this. It's the best, it's the, it's the best way to help. Interestingly, they say the Krasensteins did seem to have some insight into this operation. Tahiti, uh, as Tahiti built suspense endlessly on Twitter about how a second witness would emerge, the Krasensteins said it would be a man named Abdullah al-Saleh. And they turned out to be right. Al-Saleh tweeted similarly thin evidence a short time later. So let me see if I have this, uh, this guy's tweet pulled up. This is it. This guy's verified on Twitter. They say he was sentenced to 44 years in prison, asylum seeker in the UK, Kuwaiti journalist, PhD in economic development. He said on Twitter, my name is Dr. Abdullah Al-Saleh, and I was the guest of the Qatari government and prime minister for six months. I learned of their operations in the West and can testify and confirm that everything Alan Bender said in his deposition regarding Ilan Omar and Qatar is true. I am also willing to assist in any investigation about Qatar's activities in the West and their ambitions to influence U.S. politics. He then provides his email. Here we have David Steinberg. David Steinberg has investigated Ilhan Omar relentlessly. In fact, he's one of the principal reporters covering her campaign finance abuse, her potential strange relationships. And he tweeted this, folks, many of you have contacted me about the Ilhan Omar Cutter connection alleged in a Florida court proceedings. No source of mine has ever mentioned anything about this. I have seen nothing verifiable. I could not be more skeptical of the story's veracity. Keep in mind, this is somebody who is investigating Ilhan Omar and is providing information that conservatives have used against her. I don't want to claim that anybody is trying to take her down or anything like that. This is not a fan, to say the least. And there's more. This verified Twitter journalist, Jordan Shatchel, I believe he's a journalist. He's a... um, a foreign policy, national security, and tech alumni for the IWP, verified Twitter account saying, bad faith actors continue to spread false information about Ilhan Omar being run by Qatar. It is 100% nonsense. Both she and Qatar have committed many misdeeds. The Qatar-Omar thing is dumb, and it hurts real investigative reporting of the two entities. I received this oppo over a year ago and investigated it. There's nothing there. It's part of the information wars between Qatar and its Gulf adversaries. Don't fall for this stupidity, please. Yes, there are uninformed people who are taking money to push this stupidity. Where's the proof for the allegations? It doesn't exist. And for those asking, no, the fake imam does not have a single piece of evidence. There has been so much solid reporting on Ilan Omar and Qatar separately and much more to uncover. It is a shame that a bunch of foolish people are running a disinformation operation that only sabotages legitimate time-consuming work that real investigative journalism requires. He says, this man in particular, he is shamelessly spreading disinformation to millions of people and getting paid to fool you. He has no evidence to back his claims, and he has been yelling about this for a year. Where is the evidence? He's getting money to peddle disinformation at lowest of the low, and he shows an image of Imam Tahidi's Twitter account. He says, in particular, oh, I'm sorry, in this particular incident, the deposition being cited comes from a guy who was recruited to sped, spread a bunch of BS disinformation. His deposition is one baseless conspiracy after another. This op is so dumb that it ends up, be, it ends up helping the accused parties. Welcome to Mideast Info Ops. Alan Bender, 
The guy who made the accusation in the deposition gave his testimony, citing other people as sources for the info. This protects him from fact accountability or legal blowback. He is a pay to play guy, just like the fake imam. Both are compensated by same people. He says, I was hesitant to give further info, but this op is doing massive damage to the credibility of real journalists on the Omar and Qatar beat. This is an anti-Kavanaugh, Trump, Russia-style moronic op. It plays into Omar's hands, and now she can claim to be the victim of a false story. He then goes on to link the Daily Caller. Now, let me, let me tell you something. Jordan Shachtel is anything, uh, he, he is in, in no way, it appears, based on his tweets, a leftist, or he, he's a conservative. It looks like he's very much a fan of the president. I don't want to, I'm not trying to insinuate anything, Jordan, but his tweets are those that are not left-wing. They are more so likely to be right-wing. But this brings me to, I guess, the next big issue. Who is making it up? Are these journalists who are conservative saying, don't fall for this, telling the truth? I got to say, based on the evidence, you should not be believing this story. And that's, that was the point I brought up in the first place. Now, listen, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying there is nothing. There is no reason for people to be tweeting this out, posting photos and saying Ilhan Omar is X. It just does not exist. Just because someone sworn to oath that someone else told him is not evidence and does not prove this is legitimate. And I'll tell you what, I, I get really, really angry hearing about these foreign individuals who are trying to smear an American politician. I am not a fan of Ilhan Omar. And you don't have to be to be angry about foreign individuals trying to screw with our process, our democratic institutions, our constitutional republic. If Ilhan Omar is, has bad policies, we challenge that through our, our, our governmental system, not by entertaining these smear campaigns from people who can't provide evidence. That being said, you're going to have to call Imam of Peace a liar because he's been saying over and over again, this is true. Now, here's the thing. He's claiming Republicans are coming out against the story because it mentions Kushner. And in fact, it does. In the latest story from the Jerusalem Post, Ilhan Omar deposition text also named Sarsour and Kushner as Qatari assets. I got to say, that is awful convenient. Now look, no matter which way you cut it, as I said, we got a conspiracy. The only real thing you need to keep in mind is that all of this is unproven in any which way. And we should not be outright assuming Ilhan Omar is or isn't in, in any capacity. But I'll tell you what, the game being laid before us in politics is that if Trump is innocent, why shouldn't he testify and have other people testify? And they say that. And if that's the, the standard they're setting, then yeah, Ilhan Omar will have to make a sworn statement that it's not true. However, that is extremely dangerous. I mean, look, I get it. It's dangerous. They're trying to rope Trump into this nonsense. But can we allow foreign actors to make statements that result in us requiring investigations? That includes Ukraine. That includes the MPs in Ukraine and Viktor Shokin. I get it. But I, I tell you the problem. First, they claim Donald Trump was, you know, uh, abusing his power because he wanted an investigation into Biden and Burisma. Then we need to determine whether or not there was actual corruption between Biden, Burisma, Hunter Biden, etc. Then you get Ukrainian officials claiming there is. There are people who want to hurt this country, and that includes people like Ilhan Omar because they know she's an easy target. I don't know what to tell you, man, but I'm going to have to side with the journalists saying there is nothing to back this up. I, I don't know much about Imam Tahiti. I'm not going to you know, claim that he's a liar or being paid because that's equally absurd. The left calls the right grifters. And, the, and, 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 and what are we supposed to say? 
If Imam Tahidi is correct, well, then he better publish evidence. But until he does, y'all need to stop sharing this story. I mean it. I've seen 20,000, 30,000 retweets on these posts, making these claims, saying the evidence will come and it never comes. It never does. And I don't care who's making the claim. It is unfair to smear Ilhan Omar unless proof exists. And as someone tweeted, I wonder what the Jerusalem Post has against Ilhan Omar. I'm not saying the Jerusalem Post is lying. I mean, they're, they're a credible news outlet. But all they're doing is reporting on one guy's testimony. So in the end, is there a grand conspiracy? Well, unfortunately, yes, there is. We just don't know which one is the real one. But I'm going to have to lean towards the story about Ilhan Omar working for Qatar, for Qatar is baseless, unfounded. And if you want to claim it's true, you're going to need some hard evidence. That also makes me question why people are spreading the story and why you have people who, who are seemingly unrelated backing up all of these claims. Are they being tricked? I don't know. But I tell you what, if three or four people come out saying, yes, this is true about Ilhan Omar, you got a conspiracy. Is it, a collu- it is collusion to spread disinformation about an American politician? Still a conspiracy. In the end, I don't want to tell you, man. I operate on evidence, and we have none in any which way, but I'll tell you what, please stop sharing this Ilhan story. It sounds totally fake. It does. And for, for Imam Tahidi and otherwise, you're going to have to present real evidence, not just claims that people are coming after you. We need real evidence. And I'll tell you what, I'm getting really, really angry about this, but I'll leave it there. Let me know what you think in the comments below. The next video will be coming up at 6 p.m., youtube.com slash timcastnews, and I will see you all then. To all the Democrats out there, I want to remind you, you asked for this. No one knew about the call between Donald Trump and Ukraine. Nobody cared, and it ultimately didn't go anywhere. There was no announcement. There were no investigations. It was done. And Donald Trump tries, he might, nothing happened. Now, some might argue, oh, it only, it only ended because Trump got caught. No, I disagree. The president of Ukraine didn't do anything. Okay, the story was that Joe Biden was corrupt or something to that effect because his son was corrupt. He was protecting his son. I don't care. The point is, we are now in Hunter Biden world and Joe Biden is being dragged through the mud. But I will remind I will tell you one thing. I'd be willing to bet most of the Democrats who would watch a video like this don't like Joe Biden either. So in that in that regard, hey, it's a win win for everybody, isn't it? Here's the story. Hunter Biden suspected of smoking crack in D.C. strip clubs VIP room. You know why this is not surprising? Apparently, he got discharged for being found with a crack pipe or something. He like returned a rental car, had a crack pipe in it. I don't know. Oh, they found, they found cocaine in his system or something like that. I don't know. The dude clearly isn't all on the level. And now Joe Biden and whatever it is he was trying to do, try as he might. I mean, he is the front runner for now. Well, this is going to be bad, 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 bad. Because I'll tell you what, if there's a narrative going around that Hunter Biden is corrupt and Joe is helping him, and you sprinkle a little crack on it, guess what? People are going to be more inclined to believe it. Now, you might argue none of it's true. Great. You could have let sleeping dogs lie, and this wouldn't be an issue. This is from 2018. Apparently, some strip club smelled burning styrofoam or something, and they knew what it was. And so they were like, hey, dude, you can't be doing this. All you had to do was just campaign on issues Americans cared about, Focus on the things you don't like about Trump that are policy oriented and character oriented instead of like scandal after scandal that you can't prove. Instead, what happened was maybe it was on purpose. Maybe Democrats were like, we got to get Biden out of the race because they want Bernie or Warren. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I got another story too. Barack Obama is saying Joe doesn't have it. All of this is surfacing now. I mean, the Obama stuff about Biden probably would have come up. It's a campaign, right? 
This maybe would have come up, I guess, Joe's running. But all of this interest in Hunter Biden is unearthed because they had to have impeachment because the whistleblower came out. So the whistleblower, man, you really helped Donald Trump. I'll tell you what, if Joe Biden, according to Bill Maher, is the only person who can beat Trump in Ohio, well, you just knocked him out of the race. Bravo. Because no one knew about Trump's phone call. Nobody cared about what Trump said to Zelensky. And neither did Zelensky, who did nothing in response to Trump saying, hey, do us a favor. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And then they say, oh, but Trump was withholding aid. Okay, you know what, man? Look, I get it. Maybe fine, whatever. The point is, once you opened that can of worms, here's the news. And this one goes to the DC, uh, the Democratic establishment. If you thought Biden was going to win and he was your safe pick, well, Adam Schiff just ruined that for you. Let's read the story. It's from page six. Hunter Biden suspected of smoking crack in DC. They call it a jiggle joint. <laughs> trending now. I like the, the actual title says strip club, but the, the trending now says it's a jiggle joint. Okay. Hunter Biden was suspected of smoking crack inside a strip club where he dropped thousands of dollars during multiple visits. At the same time, he held a seat on the board of a controversial Ukrainian natural gas company. The Post has learned. Let me stop you right there. Let me stop you. Let me tell you something. By every measure, Burisma was corrupt. We heard the testimony. It's almost like Adam Schiff wanted to make sure everybody knew Joe Biden's kid worked for a corrupt company. I kid you not. You had Volker Morrison, you had uh, uh, Kent. They're all testifying. Burisma was kind of corrupt. So what? what, So so all you're doing is dragging Hunter Biden's name through the mud. This is probably why so many independent voters have flipped on impeachment. They're like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me your witnesses think Burisma was corrupt and you're mad at Trump for asking about it? That that is absurd. Especially, I think Elise Stefanik played a huge role in this when she asked, she asked um, Yovanovitch about. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm mixing myself up. Anyway, the point is, we learned that everybody thought there was a conflict of interest, or at least the potential for one. We learned from George Kent that we probably should be investigating this, and we didn't. And yeah, and Elise Stefanik pointed out. Yes, it was Yovanovitch. That was the point. That during her uh, preparation with the Obama administration, they specifically asked about this. Here's my question. Why didn't, why didn't Joe Biden say, hey, I can't do this. My son's on the board. It's conflict of interest. Why don't they just get literally anybody else to do it? Well, here's the news. The incident, which took place at Archibald's Gentleman's Club in Washington, D.C. late last year, represents the most recent alleged drug use by Biden, 49, who has acknowledged six stints in rehab for alcoholism, an addiction that included a crack binge in 2016. A crack binge. Let me, let me ask you something. If I told you that there was a dad and his son was a crackhead who got a job based off of his name and was facing prison time through a corrupt corruption investigation. If I told you that and then I said, we think the dad intervened to protect his son, would you believe me? Yeah, I tell you what, you would. Anybody would do that for their kid. I know even if they knew it was wrong, if it was your kid who was facing a probe and you knew he was on crack. And well, not every dad. Some dads might be like, you know what, man? It's it, like, I've seen stories. It's like, if you can't fix them, perhaps they really do need to get knocked down a peg or two. But I'll tell you what, if the story was not about Biden, the press would be like, oh, of course the dad intervened. Think about it. This kid is, is doing drugs. He's throwing his dad's weight around, gets a job for a, co- a corrupt company that's under investigation. Then he calls his dad panicking, being like, dad, what am I going to do? And his dad's like, don't worry, don't worry, I'll come in, I'll take care of it. Come on. And the dad comes in and takes care of it for him. 
Wouldn't wouldn't most dads do that? Even though people don't hold their own accountable. Okay, they they think I I would rather make sure my kid doesn't go to prison or get indicted in this. Plus, it'd make me look bad. I, I that, that look because it's Biden though. They're like, there's no evidence they're corrupt. Come on, dude, no evidence. Let me tell you something. Everyone testified Barisma was corrupt to an extent. The guy needed to be investigated. And the and your kid, who's a crackhead, is is serving on the board, and no one knows why. And he's getting all this money, $83,000 a month, apparently. And he's smoking crack at the same time. I'm sorry, dude. If you're going to ask me about it, I think daddy came in to save the day. Workers at Archibald's, located about three blocks north of the White House, said Biden was a regular there, with two bartenders and a security worker all instantly recognizing his photo and one worker identifying him by name. Security worker Ronko Petrovich said Biden, the son of former Vice President Joe Biden, the Democratic frontrunner to challenge Trump next year, would routinely hole up in a VIP room and drink during his visits. Now, that's fine. I'm totally okay with that. It's the crack I'm not okay with. There was a smell of burning styrofoam in the VIP room. We told him nothing illegal can go on in there, Ritter said. We didn't see anything illegal after he was spoken to. The smell stopped. VIP employees suspected it was crack. Yeah, because we know what crack smells like, right? Hunter Biden, and it was the royal we, I don't know what crack smells like. Hunter Biden uh, spent, well, I'm from the south side of Chicago, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if I did smell it before. Hunter spent thousands and thousands of dollars in the Archibald's VIP rooms and paid his bills with credit cards that didn't have his name on it. Well, that is weird, too. The dude is corrupt, man. Come on. This is the definition of corruption. I'm, I'm sorry. Going to strip clubs, smoking crack, getting jobs that we don't know why. It's, it's literally mafioso corruption. It's a dude who's doing crack and getting paid to do God knows what in a foreign country for a company we heard under their impeachment testimony was corrupt. Can we please? Can we please? Okay. Can we please investigate what he was doing? And I'm sorry if Joe Biden intervened and there was an investigation going on or not. I don't know. All I know is, listen, you want to have a debate about it? Fine. Let's dig up the facts. Let's get the information out. And remember, Democrats, you asked for this. You wanted to make sure everybody knew the name Joe Hunter Biden, Joe and Hunter Biden. Why was Trump talking to Zelensky about it? Congratulations. This is why. Now, let me ask you another question. If I told you there was a crackhead who was a son of a government official who got a job on a corrupt company and then his dad came in and intervened, are you going to get mad at Trump for being like, what's going on here? Okay. Trump apparently doesn't even drink. He's like a germaphobe. Like he's, 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 listen, man, this story, I tell you what, let's read a little bit more and I'll come back to this. They say the club generally required customers to use credit cards that matched official IDs, but Hunter was a bit of an exception. Whenever he was in town, he came in for two days in a row, disappeared and came back a month later. Archibald's current owner, Dan Harris, didn't return an email seeking comment. At the time of the incident, Hunter was a board member of the Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma, which reportedly paid him as much as $50,000 a month. That job lies at the heart of an ongoing impeachment inquiry against Trump. Yeah, we get it. Trump denies quid pro quo, whatever. Hunter joined Burisma. Okay, we get it. Let me tell you something. Uh, the, okay, here, we got some more information. In an interview with ABC News last month, Hunter denied a suggestion that he wasn't qualified because he didn't have any extensive knowledge about natural gas or Ukraine. No, but I think I had as much knowledge as anybody else was on the board, if not more. That's not helping you, dude. A corrupt company with a bunch of random people who don't know anything about natural gas sounds weird. The dude running it is corrupt. He was apparently siphoning money from the taxpayers. And you're now saying, well, hey, nobody else had any knowledge about natural gas. It's not helping your case, dude. It's kind of just proving the point. Hunter was currently embroiled in a paternity. All right. You know what, man? All right. Hold on. Here we got a guy. Who apparently, like, I, I, I gotta be, I wanna be careful because there's a lot of allegations. 
he apparently like uh, cheated on his wife with his dead brother's wife. Then then he hooked up with twenty eight year old uh, athlete, got her pregnant. He's smoking crack the whole time, going to strip clubs. Gets on the board of a company that's apparently under investigation. Or at the very least, the government, the U.S. government, wants it to be under investigation. And then when the heat gets, turns up, Joe Biden pops up and says, if you, if, if you don't have the guy fired in six hours, you ain't getting the billion dollars. Now, all of this is predicated upon whether or not Viktor Shokin in Ukraine actually was investigating. Now, that's contested, I suppose. But let me tell you something. According to sworn statements and statements from members of parliament in Ukraine, Shokin was investigating Barisma. Now, maybe it's not true, but I'll tell you this. After Joe Biden came in and said, fire the guy, the new guy cleared the founder of Burisma of all wrongdoing. That does not sound like they wanted corruption to be, to be uncovered. It sounded like they were covering up the corruption. Look, man, if you're going to try and convince me that this company is corrupt, we must investigate. And then you get a guy appointed who then clears that company of wrong. I don't believe you, dude. I don't believe you. I'm sorry. It sounds to me like you are like, uh, how can we justify firing a prosecutor who's investigating corruption? He's not investigating corruption. So why clear the guy of wrongdoing? And it wasn't until 2018 they start looking into this guy again, but he's fled. He's gone. Weird, isn't it? So here we got crack, crackhead Biden hanging out at strip clubs using credit cards that aren't even his. What, what, what is this? And Trump says, what's going on with the Bidens? And all of a sudden now we're in an impeachment inquiry. I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm, really, I'm actually kind of happy. I'm glad all this happened because right now what we're seeing is the Democrats failed miserably. There's a bit of catharsis in that. When I said, don't do this, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Stop, stop, stop. They did it. Well, there you go. Now you got some Democrats who resisted from the beginning. You got a, you got a, a safe blue Democrat in Michigan saying, we're not, I don't know about if we should do this. Even Adam Schiff isn't sure. And this is what you get. So maybe... Maybe the plan all along was to make sure Hunter Biden would take down Joe. I mean, Obama won't even endorse the guy. Check this out. Look at this story. Obama once admitted Joe Biden doesn't have it for 2020 bid, said he doesn't have a strong connection with the voters. Obama won't endorse Biden. Maybe they don't like him. Maybe they didn't want him to do this. But what's their choice then? Elizabeth Warren? I I don't know, man. They go on to say, you know, there's a profile of Biden. We get it, man. Hunter was joined there by his former sister-in-law, Haley Biden, widow of his older brother, Delaware Attorney General Beau Biden, who died of brain cancer in 2015. Hunter's first wife, uh, Kathleen, obtained a, a divorce from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In his ABC interview last month, Hunter said he'd done esti- est- estimable things and things I regret, uh, esteemable things, but was now in probably the best place I've ever been in, ever been in my life. Why? Did you stop smoking crack? His personal lawyer and spokesman, Jord Mazira's, didn't return requests for comment. Well, I'll, 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 let me stop, man. Let me be fair. He's suspected of smoking crack. For all I know, he was burning styrofoam in that room for some reason. Or for all I know, the people at that VIP club just don't like the guy. But listen, apparently there's a story about how he, like, he returned a rental car with a crack pipe in it. And that's like, this falls in line with everything we know about the guy. So I don't know how to tell you, man. Was this, are the Democrats just so bad at literally everything? that it keeps backfiring miserably, I'm going to have to say, yeah, I think that's it. I think they'd like Joe Biden to win. I think he's a strong establishment candidate. Barack Obama won't endorse him, though, because they're scared of losing. That's what I think. I think Obama, he hasn't really endorsed anybody. And I think the reason is they don't know who's going to be the strong person. Look, if Obama comes out now and makes an endorsement, 
What's he going to do? Like, then change his endorsement when the primary's over? I think Obama will wait till the primary's over. It'll probably be, I think it'll, I think, I think Biden will be the nominee and, and he's done. He's done, man. Can you imagine a debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump? I used to talk about how Donald Trump would just go after him for being sleepy Joe, old, mumbling, muttering. Nah, mm-mm, nah. Trump's not going to do that. He don't need to anymore. You know why? Here's what Trump's going to say. He's going to say, your crackhead son working for a corrupt company, and you think people should vote for you? How can we trust you when your family is involved in this kind of corruption? He doesn't even have to, look, I tell you what, Trump's known for that branding. He's known for saying Sleepy Joe, Little Marco, Lion Ted, Low Energy, all that stuff. No, I mean, he calls him Crazy Joe and Sleepy Joe and all that stuff. He doesn't need it anymore. He can just literally be like, Joe Biden, whose son is a crackhead, he wants to be your president. And that's it. I'm sorry, man. When you want to run for office like this, your family does affect you. And it's unfortunate. I mean, Joe's presumably not a crackhead. I don't have no reason to believe that he is. Granted, I mean, maybe if, you know, Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. I don't want to accuse Joe of anything. He seems like a guy who served his country, a lifelong, you know, a public servant. That's fine. But I'll tell you what, man, your kid is weighing you down and he's weighing you down bad. And I'll tell all those Democrats, I'll say this. You know what? If it turns out the Democrats wanted to knock Biden out of the race, congratulations. You nailed it. The impeachment inquiry, everything, it's perfect. It's exactly what you needed to make sure Biden couldn't win. If you wanted Biden to win and were hoping to hurt Trump, you know what's funny? A a big plan, apparently, was that they wanted to inundate the press with negative stories about Trump. And what ended up happening? I tell you, first of all, the press is already overwhelmingly uh, negative towards Trump, so they didn't really change anything. And I, I, I get it. CBS and a bunch of these other outlets were putting out fake news. Fine, whatever. But what about this? Hunter Biden, you just gave the Republicans more ammo than, than they could ever hope for. Because we're going to talk, we're going to be talking about how the Democrats look, period. And I tell you what, come 2020, there are going to be congressional races where Republicans are going to say, look at what the Democrats have become. Their front runner intervening in corrupt, in a corruption case because his son was being investigated, turns out his son smoking crack in a strip club. Is that who you want to vote for? Now, look, my opponent here isn't a Biden, but this is the party they're defending. That will play out. I assure you, they're going to be super PACs and they're going to show this. They're going to show a screenshot of this and it's going to be all grainy and red. And it's going to go, Hunter Biden accused of smoking crack in strip clubs, not the leadership America needs, not what America deserves. We're going to see it all across the board. Those very, those very obvious like political, you know what? You get the point. I'll wrap it up. I'm just, I'm, I, you know, I got to admit, it's frustrating. I kind of, I kind of, at a certain point, you have to uh, believe the Democrats do it on purpose. Seriously. It's just like, how can you fail this miserably over and over again, unless you're trying to get this outcome? No idea. But I'll tell you what, if Obama doesn't like Biden, maybe, maybe they're really like Biden. Get out of the race. What are you doing? Ah, whatever, man. I'll see you all at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. Our parents should be proud. Our ancestors are certainly smiling upon us, for we have done it. We have reached the apex of human ego and pleasure. We can see several things affecting our society in ways that are uh, technically unnegative, that bode very poorly for the future. The first story, binge drinking has doubled among American women without children in just 12 years, study reveals. But how could we live in a society 
where violent crime is collapsing, where women are free to be alcoholic drunkards who double the amount of binge drinking, drinking in just 12 years. Keeping in mind that 12 years is a semi-generational gap, meaning as time goes on, the future generations drink a whole lot more. And this brings me to the next point, that fertility rates are at record lows. How could this be? Well, we have no responsibility. And I know I opened the videos. I'm, I'm kidding, right? Obviously, these are really, really bad things for the future. And I don't know what the solution is, but I'll tell you this. The point I'm trying to make is we are now in the self-gratification generation. Everything is about the individual. Everything is about the ego and the self. Nothing is about the community or the common good. Now, people will claim they're fighting to make the world a better place, but that's not really true. Almost all of what we see. I mean, look, there are people who actually are trying to make the world a better place. But from video games to internet, rage bait, fights, everything is just about instant gratification, instant satisfaction. Actually, I don't know if you saw the Joe Rogan pod- podcast with uh, Joe, Jocko, and Tulsi just the other day, but Jocko was pointing this out that everyone expects everything to be instant, instant gratification, and he's right. It's how the news works. It's how the debates work. It's how humans are now functioning. Everything is on a condensed timeline. So these two stories I highlight, not as like a dig against women or anything. I know a lot of people might be angry whenever I do videos about relationships and stuff like this. There's like outrage. But let me, let me tell you something. First of all, if we're looking at a generational issue where, uh, here's what they say. In 2006, 21% of women between 30 and 44 who didn't have children reported binge drinking. That number doubled to 42% by 2018 according to new Columbia University and Washington University research. Now, there's a lot of reasons for it. It could be depression. It could be alcoholism. It could just be boredom or self-gratification. But what happened in 2006 or from then to today that's resulted in so many American women binge drinking? You'll probably hear from a lot of traditionalists that without children, they're going unfulfilled or something like that. I don't don't necessarily believe that's the case. I think in some instances, probably. But I think what we're seeing is Everyone is being told that the world is about you, especially millennials. They've been called the me, me, me generation. So one of the reasons that people had kids in the past was, I think primarily, it was just what you did. It was like you grew up and those were your things you were supposed to do. So people got married, they had kids, maybe people weren't happy. But then there's also the sense of duty. And I think this falls more into religious uh, um, circles, right? That it's your job to, to you know, uh, propagate your, you know, to, to pass on your genes, to create a new family. And there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons why people have families. But today, everything is about you and what you need, what you want, what you deserve. That's why on Twitter, everyone's always complaining about how they're offended. That's why businesses are bending over backwards for 10 people who complain. That's why one person will make 10 accounts and pretend to be 10 people because everybody wants something to satisfy them just for them, nothing else. Where do we go from here? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not super concerned about people binge drinking for the most part. Like if you want to get drunk, hey man, more power to you. But this is, this is ultimate. I don't know. It's really just the ultimate individualism. And people are masking that with collectivism. They're pretending like they care about other people, but really everything they're pushing politically is about empowering themselves. But I don't want to focus too much on the drinking thing. I wanted to highlight this. Not I know it's about women. I think that was interesting. But let's just be real. Like everybody is drinking, right? Everybody is partying. Everybody is gaming. Men are not going to school. Men are not growing up. They're not getting married. They're not having families. This is happening more and more. The result of which record low fertility rates. Now, there's actually interesting points being brought up in this New York Times story because they simultaneously claim 
that when there is an opening in the market, meaning there is a need for certain roles, people have families. Like we need certain amount of people for certain jobs. And when the resources are available, then we have families. They also then say that we shouldn't worry because immigration is replacing the, the, the lost children. So the kids who aren't being born are being replaced by new immigration. But think about what that means. It means that if you have an availability of 10 houses and you have, you know, 100 people, you can have 10 more families in the next generation. But if you bring in immigrants, there are no extra houses. We have a housing crisis. We have a homeless crisis. And so with, with the record immigration we've had, it makes it increasingly difficult for the United States to carry on in a communal sense. Now, look, you're going to find a lot of people on the left saying, so what? People can do whatever they want. And you know what? I, I kind of agree. And this is the, the, the big challenge with being a staunch individualist. This is what you'll see. Okay. People want to trigger that dopamine. So they play video games all day. So they go to naughty adult websites. They don't focus on what they can do for someone else. They don't focus on planting the tree whose shade they know they will never sit in. They're, you know, so, so I'll tell you what, the, the, the point I was making in the very beginning about our ancestors smiling upon us, we did it. We won. Congratulations. All that hard work you did planting those trees, we are sitting under an abundance of shade while fruit falls into our laps and we have nothing to do. There's no great struggle. There's no great war. There's no need for responsibility. Robots are doing half the work. And we as wealthy Americans sit back in our lazy boys watching sports, eating chips, playing video games with nothing to do. And our women are binge drinking. But isn't that what the goal was to make a better life for everybody? At what point do we stop? How good could it get? And when does the mission cease to exist? You know, if somebody had to live in dirt, they're like, what can I do to make sure my children have a better life? I build a nice house, make it last for a long time, plant some trees. And then when they pass, there's a house, there's trees. But now everyone's got everything. There's no duty. There's no work. And, and maybe, maybe it's an inversion of, of cause and effect. Maybe the reason people aren't you know, uh, fulfilling a mission. Maybe the, the reason they're not getting jobs. Maybe the reason they are playing video games. Maybe the reason women are binge drinking is because they aren't having families. They have nothing to fight for. There's no kids who they must protect. Now, for a lot of people, there are. And I'd be willing to bet that if you looked at someone with kids, they would fight twice as hard to make sure they got a good job, they got a good salary, either man or woman. They probably drink less. Not everybody. But I think what we're seeing among low fertility, drinking, gaming, men not going to school, it has to do with the fact that people aren't having kids. And I also think it may be the result of all of this, you know, all of this, all the stuff we were told when we were kids about how bad it was to have kids, right? They didn't want teens to get pregnant. So they, you know, beat us over the head with like, oh, you can't do it. You can't do it. You got to be safe. You got to do all these things. And it led, in my opinion, to a lot of people who are like, no, 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 we can't do it. We're not safe. We're not ready. Whereas the previous generations just did it as a thing, right? It was like, now's the time to do it. And, you know, I, I read some stuff about, you know, families and, and when pe how people plan children. And they say, pe you, there's never a right time. No matter what you do, there will always be challenges. There will always be a roadblock. And it's people who just have kids who end up having families. Now that we've been told over and over and over again, there's not enough. There's not enough resources. Schools are bad. And we have all these problems. Nobody wants to do it. Combine this with the people who are saying climate change is, you know, is so dangerous, we can't have kids. And you're not going to have people who are tied to a community, who are looking for support, who want to, to succeed and leave, you know, plant that tree that their kids will sleep under. So think about what this, what this means for the future. If, if people are primarily driven to make a better future because they had kids, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying if that's the case and they don't have kids, there's no reason to make a better future, right? It stands to reason. And the future will be 
kind of bad. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think simultaneously we've got it. We, you know, we have a couple problems. Look, if millennial women are binge drinking, I think that's a problem. Like I don't drink and I think it's fine to have spirituous beverages on occasion and get drunk. Yeah, no problem. Do your thing. But binge drinking, doubling in 13 years, that kinda, that's kind of crazy. And then look at the rates of men going to college dropping dramatically. Well, I, you know, I take that back. I'm actually not a big fan of college anyway. So if these guys are getting jobs, fine. But we have a ton of guys who are unemployed, single losers. And I don't mean it to be completely disrespectful, but I think about what it means to succeed and to win, to build something, to accomplish something. And I'm not saying loser as, a, as an insult. I'm saying like there are winners and there are losers, man. And, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but if you don't work, if you don't get up, if you don't walk, if you don't build, then you're not winning anything. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I mean, losing in the, in the literal sense, not a, not a derogatory way. If you're somebody who finds yourself sitting around playing video games, man, you got to get off that. I play video games all the time, but that comes secondary. That's a hobby. That's fun. That's like, you know, you're like relaxing. And for the most part, how many people are building? How many people are having families? And the number seems to be going down. Check this out. Let me read some of this story for you from the New York Times. The rate of births fell again last year, according to new government data, extending a lengthy decline as women wait until they are older to have children. Also, uh, let, me, let me go right back to, to the self-gratification reality. You have men and women who want to succeed in their career to make themselves more, you know, either wealthier, more successful to accommodate their life. I, I, don't, I don't see people as launching careers because their goal is to have a big family. I know some people feel that way, but in the end, everything has become about the self, not the community. We have no shared purpose, you know? America in the past, in the past several decades, way back when, like the moon, right? We went to the moon. A lot of these things were like, what was our mission as Americans together? What did we believe in? We don't really believe in anything anymore. I mean, what are Americans fighting for today? Orange man bad. No, for real. It's like, you've got people who support the president because they want, you know, he says he wants to make America great. And there are people who feel part of that community and the other people hate those other people. There's no, there's no, you know, grand unity among the United States to build a better AI, to challenge the artificial intelligence being produced by China. There's no great, there's no great mission. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to do anything. In fact, many people on the left outright hate this country. And I know it's hyperbolic because they always made fun of conservatives for saying that. But listen, they marched through the streets chanting, make California, Mexico again, make Texas, Mexico again. They complain all day and night about what America does. They accuse America of being the worst country on the planet or being unsafe for women. They don't care. It's not everybody. It's, it's, it's a growing faction on the left. So what, what, what do we have to see? What, what, what does the future have in store for us? Now, I will say this. The fertility rate is down. But as I showed you, going back to 2006, it's, conservatives are actually still having more kids. So maybe this trend will reverse itself as, you know, many of the immigrants that are coming in are religious and they're going to have a bigger sense of purpose and faith. Now, now personally, my philosophy, not a big fan of religion. I don't need religion to guide me into working hard and accomplishing things. But a lot of people who don't have that don't care. They see no purpose in life. There's no, there's no grand reason. And there are a lot of people who find faith and faith becomes their reason to do right, to, to, you know, to serve the Lord or something like that. And there are advantages to that in terms of creating a society with longevity. So I'll put it this way. Right now, I think it's fair to say we are the me, me, me generation. Okay, millennials, I don't know about Gen Z yet. They're still kind of young. Um, less so, you know, going back, but millennials for sure. It's all about what I want, what I deserve, what I should have. And, and, and I mean, you look at uh, a lot of what the Democrats are running on that millennials support. And it's complaining about billionaires have too much. 
too much. They shouldn't exist. It's like, I don't care if a billionaire exists, dude. I, I take issue with a lot of the ways billionaires can exert power over government and policy for sure. But if someone builds something up, yeah, whatever, man. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you that these people are stealing, that we should tax them, all of these things. And it's like, listen, man, at the end of the day, I liked what Cory Booker said when we need to talk about, we, we need to talk about entrepreneurship and creating wealth. We need to focus on individuals and why they don't feel fulfilled. We need to focus on individuals, what will motivate them. And you know what I'll say to anybody who finds themselves like sitting in their parents' basement playing, you know, Warcraft or whatever game your kids are playing these days, Outer Worlds, literally just start doing something. Like even if it's nothing, literally just go up and walk as far as you can. If, 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 if you have no idea what to do, do anything I, within reason, right? Okay. But I used to just walk around like when I, I lived in Seattle briefly, I'm like, I had no idea what to do. I went and I walked all around the city to various neighborhoods, I looked at different shops, and I just tried learning and, and looking and listening. You got to start somewhere. And I know for a lot of people, they just don't know where to begin, but maybe that's what you got to do. But I'll tell you what, let's look at the future. Let's take a look at everybody right now who's all obsessed with themselves. Well, they're going to, they're going to die. I mean, humans do. They're going to get old and they're going to, and they're going to die. What comes next? What's the, what's, what's after Gen Z? What will this country look like with declining birth rates? What will it look like with people who have no purpose other than enriching themselves? It's really funny how you have all these the people, you know, all these Democrats talking about the billionaires and how they shouldn't exist and that it's, it's greed. Bernie Sanders says billionaires are greedy. They, 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 they're addicted. Well, I look at literally anybody else, man. The same thing that drives the billionaire to be a greedy addict who wants to claw at money and value is the same thing that drives literally anybody else. Why do you have somebody who is desperately trying to become, you know, a senior manager at a, a digital marketing firm in New York City? What men and women alike? You know, anybody who says, like, I want to be better, I want to be better, it's all, it's, it's all rooted in the exact same thing. Some people are smarter than other people, so they figure out how to navigate that system. I know a lot of people on the left want to call it exploitation. But how do we get over that? And how do we start encouraging people to plant trees in whose shade they know they will never sit? I have no idea. I mean, I gotta be honest, I don't even know what I'm doing for the future, right? I sit and complain on the internet. Is that going to make the place, the world better? I don't know. I hope. I mean, I'm doing something, right? That's all I can really, really say. So, you know, the, the point of this video wasn't to complain about women drinking or not having kids. The point was to highlight that men and women alike in this generation, they're not doing anything. Look, I get it, man. It's great to be the CEO. Great. You're, you're a mid-level manager at a marketing firm. What does that mean? Because eventually you'll die and someone else will come in. And then what? Do we really need a lot of these jobs? I honestly don't know. I don't think so. So what? But I'll tell you this too. What's the point of perpetual communal growth? Should it matter if somebody has a family and then in 50 years there's an America to live in? I mean, if the goal is to make the world a better place for everybody, I think we're headed in the wrong direction. And in the coming years, there's going to be a decay in expertise. There's going to be a bunch of self-interested, selfish addicts drinking and doing drugs. Yeah, you're going to have that great job. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see that the military industrial complex is all run by women. But is that really changing anything? I don't know, man. So anyway, let me wrap this up. Like the point I'm making is I go back to what I said in the beginning, that our ancestors are smiling upon us. We have reached the pinnacle of what we should ever hope to strive for. We have eliminated diseases. We are sitting in temperature controlled buildings for the most part, not everybody. I'm talking about America for the most part. We have heat and air conditioning. We have clean water. Like we had nothing to worry about. Food is so abundant. We're all becoming obese. We got hot water on demand. We got electricity. We, we, we live in, 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 down, in, a, fut- in a futuristic, you know, uh, utopia almost. 
It's like Louis C.K. said, everything is so great, but everybody is still so mad. But at the same time, we are facing the expansion of the dystopia. So I, I say utopia in the sense that, like, could you imagine 100 years ago the idea of no disease, medical care, you know, to the extent that it is? Not everybody can afford basic care, but you know, we have basic care. That the idea of air conditioning, that you wouldn't have to sweat. You could literally sit in a room and it feels like springtime forever. It's kind of crazy. But it can't last forever, can it? You know, with all of the complaints about the environment, climate change, the end of the world, etc. Well, nothing is being done to make the future better. But I guess if, you, if, you, if you're concerned about overpopulation, then perhaps a declining fertility rate is exactly what the climate change people want. I don't know, though. I don't think the issue is not having kids. I think the issue is instilling value in the, values in the next generation to make sure that, you know, things get better. But I guess what's the worst case scenario? Humanity fails, cease to, ceases to exist, and the earth travels on doing its thing. And then maybe in a couple, you know, hundred or tens of millions of years, a new intelligent form of life emerges and says, wow, look at those people who used to exist and don't anymore. These are all philosophical questions I'm not going to get into. I'm just going to leave it here. I don't know. Let me know what you think. I just saw these stories and felt like it was worthy of a rant of a, I guess, asking the question, where are we going? What are we doing? We're doing nothing. Why? (laughs) Ah, whatever, man. We'll see what happens. Stick around. I will see you all at 4 p.m. on the main channel, youtube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the 45th president of these United States, Donald J. Trump. Now, for those that are listening, you can't see the glorious photograph. It is Donald Trump's head photoshopped onto Rocky Balboa's body. And this image was tweeted without caption by Donald Trump himself, possibly one of the most glorious tweets ever made. It's hilarious. And even many people on the left who don't like Trump are laughing about it. Now, of course, you can expect to get all of the outrage or confusion from the media, but uh, that's to be expected. I must say, I believe Donald Trump may be the greatest troll, and I can't swear because of YouTube, but uh, S-Poster, he just, it's just, wait, what is this tweet? I don't know. Now, some people have said it's the anniversary of Rocky. It's not. That was the 21st. I checked. But you got to admit, Donald Trump's a funny guy. Let me tell you something. I was invited to the White House for a social media summit. I was hoping to try and be a voice of reason for a lot of people who might freak out a little bit too much. There is bias against conservatives on these platforms, for sure, but I wanted to make sure I could highlight the anti-establishment left and and other biases and other problems the social media companies bring as they grow too powerful. But I'll tell you what, man, I was sitting maybe like 15 feet from Trump as he went on and talked about social media and, and, and issues, and the dude is hilarious. He is. He's an entertainer. He knows how to be funny. He was self-deprecating, and it was funny. And I want to. We'll talk a little bit about this because the other story is that during the pardoning of the turkeys, he was trolling Adam Schiff. I, it, it's this. This guy is is a funny guy, and you know a lot of people don't like him because they want some suit-wearing serious president. But Trump is, man. Trump is a. a I, I, he, it, it's kind of like. I think a lot of people like him because he reminds you of that obnoxious dude at the bar who's making jokes. You laugh about it. You know, sometimes you get it's maybe a little inappropriate, but he's, he's, he's funny and he makes people feel like they're part of the crowd. Blair White, famous YouTuber, top comment on the tweet, goat, greatest of all time. Count Dankula says it's literally just a meme, but it has all the usual suspects screeching. Yes. Yes, indeed. Take a look at this. Matt Christensen says, 
New York Times, Washington Post, Snopes, PolitiFact. Please fact check this ASAP. I don't think Trump is a champion boxer. Well, Matt Christensen, who's another podcaster, YouTuber, you got your wish. Because here's the Washington Post tweets. Trump tweets doctored photo of his head on Sylvester Stallone's body. Unclear why. (laughs) They just don't get it, do they? (laughs) My response was doctored. I thought Trump was a champion boxer. Who could have seen this coming? Why would Trump do this? Yes, certainly. Why would Donald Trump tweet a photo of his head on Rocky Balboa's body? (laughs) Sylvester Stallone's body. Well, it, it leads us to the Washington Post's story. Trump tweets doctored photo of his head on Sylvester Stallone's body, unclear why, and it says, President Trump tweeted a doctored photo Wednesday that showed his head superimposed on the body of the actor Sylvester Stallone, who was shirtless and wearing boxing attire. The image appeared to have been taken from promotional materials for Rocky III, one in a series of movies focused on the boxing career of the fictional Rocky Balboa, which debuted, debuted in 1982. It was not clear what inspired Trump's tweet. A White House spokesman did not immediately respond to a request for comment. You know, I can't tell you what's on Trump's mind. I can tell you the tweet's funny. And I can tell you that it's got everyone talking about the tweet. Story after story. Now, here's the thing. Here's how the Daily Beast puts it. Trump tweets bizarre picture of his head on Sylvester Stallone's body from Rocky Three poster. Yeah, isn't it amazing that I'm four minutes in on explaining to you that the president of the United States tweeted a photo of him as Rocky Balboa? It's truly incredible. That's the point. It, is, it shifts the dialogue. It changes the narrative. It makes his supporters laugh. It makes the left freak out. Admittedly, though, there are some leftists who are saying, you know what, man, bravo, it's a funny tweet. But there are a lot of people who are outraged that the president is besmirching the good name of the oath of, of the office of the president. And for me, I'm kind of just like kicking back with my feet up laughing as this all goes down. You ever see, um, what's that movie with the, with the Galaxy Quest, where it's supposed to be like a bunch of people who are basically Star Trek? You know, it's, it's like uh, and then aliens actually come and think they're actual space adventurers. There's the one guy who's just laughing the whole time that they were abducted by aliens because it's just like, you know, it's so crazy and weird. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to go with it. Right. That's how I feel. Right. There's a lot of things you can be angry about. But what are you going to do, man? You can't you try to impeach the president. It's not going to work. You get all angry, try to move him. No, you know what? Do I think it's appropriate for the president to be tweeting these hilarious things? No, but I'll admit they're hilarious and I'm not going to get all bent out of shape about it because what are you going to do, man? You got to learn to go with the flow. Now, I, I, will, I was a little dismayed to see even the New York Post saying he tweeted out a doctored photo. I hate how they call everything doctored. It's like, dude, it's a meme. Somebody photoshopped Trump's head onto Rocky Balboa's body. But uh, this isn't the first time that Donald Trump has, has trolled. And it's not even the first time this week, just the other day, Trump used the annual turkey pardon to troll Adam Schiff's impeachment hearings. I kid you not. Didn't he do something similar where he joked about someone being sued? Like uh, someone, uh, he, he did some, some jokey thing. And then he said the Ninth Circuit was appealing it or something or, or, or striking it down. Like Trump is a funny guy. He's not, he, you know, he's not taking things as seriously as people want him to, I guess. I don't want to tell you. Let's read about how Trump made news by claiming Adam Schiff had subpoenaed some turkeys. They say the shadow of impeachment darkened even the lighthearted turkey pardon on Tuesday when President Donald Trump used his speech to make fun of the top Democrat leading the inquiry, Adam Schiff. Presidents have have been pardoning turkeys as far back 
as Abraham Lincoln's administration, and it's traditionally a family affair, with young relatives of the sitting president taking part and the president typically giving a humorous speech. Trump certainly had jokes, but the opposing party may not have found them so funny. After detailing how the turkeys named bread and butter had been raised by the farmer Willie Jackson in North Carolina, Trump proceeded to crack a joke about how Rep. Adam Schiff was eyeing to have them testify (laughs) in front of the House Intelligence Committee. Thankfully, bread and butter have been specially raised by the Jacksons to remain calm under any condition, which will be very important because they've already received subpoenas to appear in Adam Schiff's basement on Thursday. It's true. Hundreds of people have. It seems the Democrats are accusing me of being too soft on Turkey, the president added, seeming to make a joke about his decision to pull U.S. troops out of Syria, allowing Turkish troops to attack the longtime U.S. allies and the Kurds. Is that it? That's a story. Uh, but bread and butter. I should note that unlike previous witnesses, you and I have actually met, Trump said, referencing how some of the officials called to testify in the impeachment hearings didn't witness certain events firsthand, never even talked to the president. Trump ended the ceremony by pardoning the bird named Butter. Butter Bread, the alternate turkey, will also get to spend the rest of its life at Gobbler's Rest at Virginia Tech University. And that, folks, is the story about how Donald Trump made fun of Adam Schiff while pardoning turkeys from near death. But you know what, man? I guess the question I have is, should our president be a funny guy? Here's what I see with all of these Democratic contenders, why the Republicans lost to Trump, why the Democrats lost to Trump, and why the Democrats will lose again. Compare the personality of Trump, an entertainer, a TV man, a showman who can make fun of himself, who can make fun of other people. He has a special ability. And that ability is that people can say things about him and he can turn it into a joke that makes people laugh. It's almost like the the, the Democrats are firing their energy blast and he's redirecting it or, 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 or an avatar reference, absorbing the lightning and firing it back. Now, Trump gets, you know, he gets angry at a lot of the fake news for sure. But when I watch Trump speak, all of these things they accuse him of, these, like these, these negative things, these insults, these accusations, he flipped around and made them self-deprecating jokes, diffusing them, making his supporters laugh. It is clever. So look, I can't tell you why the president would tweet this photo, because I can't read his mind. But I'll tell you what, Trump's humor is one of his greatest abilities. Trump supporters are laughing to the joke. Online, you have memes emerging from the Donald and other areas of the web that are funny, that inspire political ideas. I'll tell you what, this image of Donald Trump as champion boxer, it's, it's creating the image that Trump is a winner, that he's the champion, and it's silly, and it's funny, and it's irreverent. And then when you see the media go, why would Trump do this? It makes people feel like they're, they're fighting back against the establishment. Now, I, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, Trump's humor rallies people. The memes rally people. And they feel like they, too, can be a part of the fun. Think about a group of people all laughing. And you walk over like, hey, what's so funny, guys? I want to be in on this. And then you look over to the left, and what do you see? An angry media going, Trump's not a boxer. I say. Nobody wants to go over there and listen to the grumbly dude who's angry about everybody having a good time. It's like the, the Democrats and the media have become Buzz Killington from Family Guy. That whenever someone's making a joke or having a good time, they step in to be like, Here's Trump posting this image of him as Rocky Balboa, and it's hilarious. And then the media goes, why would Trump publish a doctored photo, everyone? It is unclear. And everyone's like, oh, we get it, dude. It's Photoshop. It's, me- it's not meant to be serious. No one literally thinks the dude is, is Rocky Balboa. 
Oh, maybe some people do, but they're probably in special places for the criminally insane. Anyway, I had to do a video about the king of the trolls, Donald Trump. Uh, but it, but it's, it's really about humor. It is. And, and so I wonder if, if that's an asset these other, these other politicians won't have because they're also stodgy. Trump is funny and, and, and more relatable than the suit wearing, listen, as president, I will do X. Yeah, well, Trump sits up there and he, and he laughs and he's, he's, he, he seems real and people like it. I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. This story is actually really, really complicated. On the surface, it seems like a bunch of illegal immigrants were tricked and then deported by ICE. Actually, it's a bunch of legal immigrants who were tricked and then deported by ICE, but ICE claims they knew it was a scam. So let me stop here and break the story down. This is from the Detroit Free Press. ICE arrests 90 more students at fake university in Michigan. We now have an argument over whether or not this was appropriate. You have ICE saying there were no classes, there were no teachers. They should have known it was a fake university. However, the DHS and an accreditation website listed the university as legitimate. You have legitimate uh, individuals here on student visas, applied for the school, never went to any classes, then ended up getting deported. The argument is whether or not it was the fault of the students, if ICE was legit in doing this. Now, me personally, I think it's bad. Listen, man, I'm not going to go ahead and assume that every single student was aware of what was going on. I'll put it this way. Let's say you're a legal resident with a student visa, and they say you've got, you know, two or three months to apply to a school and get in. Otherwise, you will lose your legal status. Many of these students had visas, but their schools lost accreditation, so they had no choice but to go find a new school. What happens then when you pay a thousand bucks? Because yes, they paid cash. And then it turns out it's fake. You're sitting there waiting for like, when do I start? Where do I go? And no one ever talks to you. And then all of a sudden you find that you've wasted your money. You have nowhere else to go. And ice comes knock on your door and say, it's time to leave. Now that sounds pretty, pretty messed up. I think it's fair to point out the recruiters, the people who are working for the school to sign people up are being, are being criminally charged because apparently they knew it was a scam. But it doesn't mean every student was, knew it was a scam. But, 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 but let me stop here. Let me stop here, because I know there's immediately going to be a bunch of, you know, uh, more, I, I don't know how to describe it. There's probably a sect of Trump supporters who are going to say, nah, you know what, man, it's their fault, due diligence, whatever. Fine. I'm not here to argue. You know, I, I'm not going to say, no, no, I'm going to lean towards this being wrong, but I, I, I want to remind you of something very important. This is an Obama-era policy. The fake school was set up during the Obama administration, not the Trump administration. So in the end, even if this was right or wrong, it's not a negative reflection on Trump or, you know, or otherwise. Now, leftists are using this to criticize ICE. I think that's fine. Look, man, you can't assume that everything ICE will do will be perfect. Nobody's perfect. And just because you like the idea of immigration enforcement doesn't mean we should accept this is legitimate. Let me show you basically what they said. It's a very confusing story. They say about 250 students have now been arrested since January on immigration violations by ICE as part of a sting operation by federal agents who enticed foreign-born students, mostly from India, to attend the school that marketed itself as offering graduate programs in technology and computer studies, according to ICE officials. Many of those arrested have been deported to India, while others are contesting their removals. One has been allowed to stay after being granted lawful permanent resident status by an immigration judge. So basically, it's like I described it. In January of 2016, it was during the Obama administration that ICE set this up. And apparently, it's, it's not the first time this has happened. You then have students, they say, um, well, actually, let me, let me just read. The students had arrived legally in the U.S. on student visas. 
But since the University of Farmington was later revealed to be a creation of federal agents, they lost their immigration status after it was shut down in January. The school was located on Northwestern Highway near 13 Mile Road in Farmington Hills and staffed with undercover agents posing as university officials. Now, hold on there. Another important point. It doesn't sound like they were deported while the school existed. It sounds like in January, 10 months ago, the school shut down and these people didn't go and find legal, you know, a legal school to attend. However, they did pay for it. So this is kind of, it's, it's a weird story, man. They say out of the approximately 250 students arrested on, on administrative charges, nearly 80% were granted voluntary departure and departed the United States. So most of them just went, they left. They weren't, you know, loaded up on a plane. They went and left themselves. The Detroit office of ICE's Homeland Security Investigations told the Free Press in a statement Tuesday, out of the remaining 20%, about half of them have received a final order of removal. Some of them were ordered removed by an immigration judge and others were given an expedited removal by U.S. Customs and Border Protection. The remaining 10% have either filed for some sort of relief or contesting their removals with Executive Office for Immigration Review. I said in March that 161 students had been arrested, which has now increased to about 250. Okay, so it was only a couple months after it shut down that 161 students had been arrested. I don't know. You you have to comment and let me know what you think. Because I'll say this, man. They mention that, actually, let me read it. Attorneys for the students arrested said they were unfairly trapped by the U.S. government since the Department of Homeland Security had said on its website that the university was legitimate. An accreditation agency that was working with the U.S. on its sting operation also listed the university as legitimate. How can you fault them if you tell them it's okay? Now, ICE is arguing they should have known better because they didn't go to any schools. So they said attorneys for ICE and the DOJ maintain that the students should have known it was not a legitimate university because it did not have classes in a physical location. What does that mean? Online classes? There are a ton of accredited online courses, aren't there? I mean, I don't know. Some CPT programs have classes combined with work programs at companies, in which case, how, how would they not know? Their true intent could not be clearer. Assistant U.S. Attorney Brandon Helms wrote in a sentencing memo this month uh, for Rampisa. Rampisa was one of the uh, eight recruiters, they say. While enrolled at university, 100% of the foreign citizen students never spent a single second in a classroom. If or truly about obtaining an education, the university would not have been able to attract anyone because they had no teachers, classes, or educational services. Not only that, the recruiters, it's, it's being alleged that they knew it was a scam and the students knew it was a scam too, and they were given a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Then, but you still come to the problem of the website for the DHS said it was legit. So I don't know, man. I don't know, man. But at least, at the very least, we can always say, listen, the things that ICE has been doing, whether you like them or not, date back to the Obama era and even the Bush era. Well, you know, Bush created DHS. Obama was the one who started these policies. Obama's the one who, who commissioned these cages. And Obama, I shouldn't say that. I should say it was during his administration. They want to blame Trump for all of this. But actually, a lot of it's gone down under Trump. Legal immigration under Trump is ridiculously down. Okay, so that's, that's another issue. But I know that immediately they're going to, the reason you're seeing this story pop up is because the left is pointing the finger at Trump. Well, listen, man, I'll tell you what. Does Trump know about literally every single thing happening in this country all the time? Of course he doesn't. Does he know about this? I really doubt Trump knew about the nitty gritty of these individual sting operations. I, he's not in ICE. He's the president. 
Should, should, should this be allowed? I don't like the idea. I don't like the idea of the FBI doing stings, setting people up and encouraging them to commit crimes, then trying to catch them. If these people spent hard cash, and they did, and they could have found a legitimate school and they wouldn't be deported, I don't like the idea of tricking legal immigrants into losing their status. That being said, I understand the accusation that they should have known or that they likely did know. If it's true that some CPT programs have classes combined with work programs, the question that's being, the context missing from here is how many of these people arrested did not do anything? Like, did did they sign up for a school, pay money, and then just sit in their room all day playing video games? Because that says to me they knew. The recruiters are being charged because apparently they knew as well that it was not legitimate. They say, in the memo, federal prosecutor Baker said the case raises questions about the U.S. foreign student visa program. Baker wrote that immigration and visa programs have been hot button topics in the United States for years, and national scrutiny has only been increasing. Fairly or unfairly, Rampisa's conduct casts a shadow on the foreign student visa program in general, and it raises questions as to whether the potential for abuse threatens to outweigh the benefits. Here's what it comes down to. I think the real issue here for ICE is not about catching some immigrants in, 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 you know, in a gotcha scam. I think it's the issue that there are a lot of schools that aren't legitimate schools, and they get accredited. Students know that they can get visas by attending school, and they don't actually care about getting educations. The argument, I suppose, then, is the point of a student visa is to be in class and be learning, and many people don't do that. There are probably a lot of people who think, you know, I'll put it this way, too. Perhaps for these people who were deported, this is the norm, and they didn't realize anything was wrong with it. But think about how many people might do this thinking it's fine to pay for school but not actually attend. Maybe that's the bigger argument here. If they weren't actually going to class but paying for it, they assumed as long as I'm enrolled in school, I can live in America. And that the, the argument now from ICE is if you want a student visa, it's for being a student. How many people who want to be students can't get one because these people are occupying them but then just living here? That's complicated, man. As per usual, it's always complicated. When I first saw this story, I tweeted out, I was kind of shocked, like, whoa, what the F? They were, they were tricking legal immigrants into a fake school? And then immediately a bunch of people said, there's got to be something else here. And sure enough, there is. Sure enough, there is. It's argued that these kids knew it was a scam. And ultimately, it happened under Obama's watch. So it's not so cut and dry as to claim that Trump is doing these things. But hey, man, people are going to give ICE some flack. Apparently, this dude ran pizza, said he's ashamed. I made a very bad decision to recruit students that bought, uh, bought shame to my family name. They say he wrote a letter. He's asking for forgiveness, but um, he's been sentenced to one year. He will be released in two to three months because of time served. So I don't know, man. It's complicated. It really is. And I say that 50 billion times a day because I'm the milk toast fence sitter who can't tell you, you know, necessarily what's, the, what's right or wrong. I'll, I, will, I will say this, though. I can give you some, some definitive statements. If these people are knowingly displacing true students who want to come here, then yeah, deport them straight up. If they weren't attending any classes, then it sounds to me like they at least knew they weren't legitimate students. And that's the most important context. Whether it was right or wrong for a DHS to claim it was legitimate school, these people weren't actually going to school. And that's the point. If you're not going to school, why do you have a student visa? And that's, gonna, that's not fair to students who actually want to come here. But let me know what you think. I don't know. Thanks, Obama. I guess I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got a, uh, one more segment coming up in a couple of minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Hate crimes seem to be happening quite a bit in New York City. 
For the longest time, or I should say over the past several months, there have been a lot of videos going viral of Orthodox Jewish individuals being beaten and attacked. And they're not being attacked by the alt-right or white supremacists. They're typically being attacked by minorities. But this is the kind of hate crime you don't hear too much about. How about this one? Actress 43 is left bloody and bruised after being jumped by a gang of 10 thugs who spewed vile racist abuse at her as she left a swanky New York City bar, and she now needs plastic surgery to save her career. Apparently, they were screaming, get the white bees, the white mother effers, dirty white bees, etc., etc. Now, of course, you'll see this in Daily Mail and conservative outlets, but you're not going to see it on mainstream television. They're not going to tell you. You know, it's really mind blowing to me. I mean, we do have stories in the New York Times. Check this out. Man is stabbed and slashed steps away from synagogue in New York City. I don't know if you've seen these videos, man, but it's, it's, it's horrifying. A dude walking down the street minding his own business happens to be Orthodox Jew, and a bunch of dudes run up, chasing after him, beating on him and stomping him, and tons of these videos keep emerging. Now, I've seen many journalists talk about it, sure, but why isn't this the narrative? Why is the narrative always about the alt-right because of, you know, one event that happened a few years ago, which was bad and got a ton of coverage, but why isn't this considered a big problem? Why aren't people bringing this up and talking about this a lot more? I don't know. What about this? You know, the, 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 the leftist identitarians will tell you that there's no, such, there's no such thing as racism against white people. Well, what would you call this? Prejudice. I'm sorry. It's based on race. Well, let's read. I don't want to, I don't, you know, we'll dive into a little bit about what's going on with the Orthodox Jewish community because it's, it's, it's a part of this, this story that we only ever hear a one-sided narrative or that it, that tends to be the case. We don't, obviously the New York Times is reporting it. I want to make sure that's clear. But all of these activists and these digital outlets, you know, like BuzzFeed or whatever, they don't talk about this kind of stuff. They say an actress has shared an image of her bloodied face after she was allegedly beaten by a gang of 10 to 15 thugs sparked by a New York bouncer who spewed racist abuse. Jennifer Agostini, 43, revealed the shocking image of what her face looked like following the attack at Skyroom Bar in Manhattan around 3 a.m. on Sunday that left her with facial scarring and multiple lacerations. During the incident, an African-American security guard allegedly called the movie and TV actress and her friends white mother effers, dirty white bees, and yelled F those white bees and their money. Agostini had visited the venue from 11 p.m. Saturday to celebrate fr- a friend's birthday, and the group enjoyed VIP bottle service that cost them over $900. I mean, these photos, photos are brutal. She's, she's got black eye, eye swollen, covered in blood. And I'll tell you what, man, I don't know what, what she could have done to deserve this, her and her friends getting beaten down like that. Maybe, maybe she's a snooty 43-year-old VIP who thinks she's better than other people and said awful things, and so she got, you know, attacked for it. I don't look, man. In America, you can be a mean person. It doesn't mean anyone has a right to punch you in the face. Well, let's read the story and see what happens. They say legal documents state that after they were turfed out of the special area and moved down to the non-VIP floor, they paid up and went to the lobby. But when a member of her group remembered the venue still held the card on which the $350 fee was held, they tended to go back. That's when a six-foot-two man, six-foot-two man wearing a black turtleneck identified in legal documents as a bouncer allegedly pushed one of the women. It was just this stampede as we were leaving. We just got rushed and assaulted by, I can't tell you how many people, Agostini told the New York Post. According to attorney papers requesting the venue release footage from the incident, swimsuit model Perendinales Garcia, that's a, that's a name, 46, was beaten about her face, body, and limbs and obtained several scalp lacerations. Her husband, Cal Stewart, says he had come to the defense of women, of the women, but they were beaten to the ground 
but what he descri- uh, by what he described as gang members who are the bouncer's friends. Stewart noted his toe had been amputated recently and said in a, in a petition that he was thrown to the floor. Both he and another petitioner, Christian Saletti, were beaten about the face and body. So even the dudes who tried to break the fight up got beaten. That's crazy. I look, man, I'm not going to pretend like these people are completely innocent. But the reason I bring this story up is that things like this happen. I've seen things like this happen. And I think anybody being targeted based on their race, I think general violence, you know, is bad. This may be the result of a bar fight. And they might be claiming, you know, this is the case because they lost. I don't know. But the reason I wanted to talk about this and highlight it was also in line with other stories that seem to be overlooked for the most part. Obviously, it's being reported on. Obviously, the New York Post, the New York Times have talked about stories like this. But when you look to the main narrative, when you look to what emerges on social media, what goes viral, and what is shared in mainstream discourse, it's never the fact that, you know, racist attacks, ethnic-based, you know, hate crimes go in every direction. And, and, and the craziest thing to me is these viral videos about these Orthodox Jewish individuals being targeted and attacked just for their religion. Why isn't the narrative just like, hey, man, stop the hate, period? Why is it always about white people and ragging on white people? They say, the Brooklyn uh, Agassini appeared smiling at WinterCon in New York on Saturday, the same day as the incident. The Brooklyn Ties star, Agassini says she must now look into having surgery to improve her appearance. I was pushed to the ground and eight individuals jumped on top of me and brutally assaulted me. I've had five stitches in my head. My whole eye is closed. I am going to have numerous scars on my face. I'm a lead character on the series in March, and I have to now go see numerous plastic surgeons. And I also have to go back to the concussion center to MRI my head. Stewart said she has a black eye and has been having a lot of headaches. My whole entire body hurts, he told the post. They were punching and kicking me on my body. The owners of Skyroom may now have their liquor license suspended due to the incident as the legal petition states it could be the subject of litigation. It's unclear whether the security member was staff or hired from a third party company. Daily Mail did not receive an immediate response from the venue and the petitioners on Wednesday. Apparently in the suit, they're demanding that the bar retain surveillance uh, footage of what really happened because of that. And that's what at least when I read one of the stories, maybe I'm wrong about that. That's my understanding. I'm going to have to err on the side of maybe these people were a little snooty, a little entitled. I don't know. I don't think it's fair to me to make those assumptions unless we can prove it. They were just beaten up by a group of 10 to 15 individuals who they didn't know. And I think stories like this often get overlooked. If someone's screaming racial insults at you, or let's, let's jump over to the next story, because this story is also from just the 20th, about a week ago. If these things are happening, but for some reason they're omitted from a narrative for political reasons, we got serious problems, Okay. I really, I really take issue with this idea that it's only white people who are racist or whatever. It seems to be a way to, to change the argument, change the narrative, so that these instances purposefully get overlooked. I, I don't, look, I don't know what you're going to get out of it. I think, in my opinion, we want to protect everybody. I don't care what the color of your skin is. I don't care if you're, you know, you're gay, you're straight, you're trans. You deserve civil rights, and no one has a right to attack you. Now, again, for the millionth time, I'm, I'm reading this from the New York Times. They say an Orthodox Jewish man was stabbed and slashed in a suburb near New York City on Wednesday morning, steps away from a local synagogue and left bleeding on the ground. Local police department said the attack was under investigation and declined to say whether they believed it was a hate crime. And that's the point. What do you, what do you mean you declined to say it? Why? 
We've seen tons of attacks, okay? There's viral video of a guy running down the street, and people chasing him. There's a video of people jumping out of a car and chasing down a Jewish guy. Why is it so hard to say they're targeting, targeting them specifically for these reasons? You know, if, 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 the narrative, if, if it was inverted, they would have no problem saying, of course it's a hate crime. Of course we're investigating it. What, and, and what's crazy to me is that the Jewish community is absolutely a marginalized community. But for some reason, for some reason, like I can understand why they play these games with white people who are the majority in certain cities. I, st- I still think we need, look, if somebody cites, you know, racial hatred at, as part of their attack, then yeah, well, there you go. These are the laws that were created for these reasons. Not that I think it makes any sense. I think an attack is an attack and I don't, I, the motivation for it is less relevant to an extent, I guess. They say that Michael B. Specht, town supervisor of the suburb Ramapo, which is in Rockland County, just north of Manhattan, said it's certainly a possibility the attack was a hate crime. The stabbing was an anomaly in the town, Mr. Speck said. So, I'll, so this is a suburb. This is not the same as, as all the other stories we've, we've heard. So I'll make sure that's clear. They say it's hard to think about other attacks on people in the Jewish community. Police Chief Brad R. Weidel did not wrote the possibility at a news conference on Wednesday afternoon, but was not at that moment willing to say that this was a hate crime. It's possible it wasn't, you know. Could it be a hate crime? Of course, he said but noted that the police had a legal obligation to meet before making that determination. Rockland County has more than 320,000 residents, according to census figures from 2018. More than 31% of those residents are Jewish, according to the state, which also says that Rockland has the largest Jewish population per capita of any county in the country. Police officials gave few details about the attack, saying the information was still being gathered. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it, keep this one as short as I can. And there's a reason why I wanted to highlight a couple of these stories. And it's just because I didn't expect them to get a ton of play outside of, I, I guess, outside of the articles that were written about them. So when news breaks, you'll have a story and it'll say X happened to Y. And what gets amplified typically follows a certain narrative. I really don't expect this story about the, the man at the synagogue or the actress being beaten to get a ton of amplification from journalists because it doesn't fit the narrative. So I can say that. But in the end, I want to just I wanted to highlight these stories. I wanted to talk about them because I know that this is likely where it ends. The story in The New York Times, like all the other viral videos I saw, are not going to get played. We're not going to see all these journalists, these lefty outlets say like, hey, this is a travesty and something needs to be done about it. They'll say it once or twice. It'll go away. No one cares. But if, if, if the races were inverted... It would be it would be huge if it turns out the guy who attacks the Jewish guy was 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 a white supremacist or alt right or something. It'll be the biggest story in the country. If it turns out the individual was a minority, no one will care, and that makes very little sense. We want to make sure that if anyone is being targeted, Jewish or otherwise, if they're white, because groups of people don't like you based on your race, we highlight these issues and say you can't do this. Stop. It's wrong. Every person, regardless of where they come from, what they believe, what they look like, deserves to be, you know, to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. So I'll I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m., and I will see you all then.